entitled The Lesson, A Tale of Two Apostles. When we think of Peter, we, we have pretty high thoughts about Peter. We think a lot of this guy. But you know, when, when we think of Judas, it's not so much. We have a little different perception of who Judas was. I told you this morning I'm a meme guy. I've got one more for you. I don't know if you remember this or if you can see this, but this was this boat that was stuck in the Suez Canal. It was blocking all the shipping. And down here at the bottom it says, we all make mistakes, but not all of ours can be seen from space. And that's very true, right? We all make mistakes, but some just seem a lot bigger than others. And when I think of Judas, I think of a guy that made a huge mistake, a big mistake. Let's take that one step further. If I ask you today, Raise your hand if you knew a person named Peter. You'd probably raise your hand. I've known people named Peter my whole life. But when was the last time that you went up to somebody that had a brand new baby and you said, oh, what's his name? And they said, oh, this is little baby Judas. It just doesn't happen, right? Because when you think of the word Judas, you automatically think of betrayal. But you think about Peter... And you realize that he also betrayed Jesus also. But yet we'll name our baby Peter, but I wouldn't name my dog Judas. Why is that? Why, Why is there such a difference? Why do we have this view of Peter and this view of Judas? And that's what I want to look at this afternoon. Because I think honestly, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, the two the two of these people we're more similar than we like to think. While we have a perception of each one, really, I think they had a lot of similarities up until the point of the the betrayal, of each of their betrayals of Jesus. So that's what I want to look at this morning, or this afternoon. First of all, I want us to understand that both men were apostles of Jesus. When you think of what that entailed, and you think of what that meant to be an apostle... These guys were one of the 12, or two of the 12 men that were chosen to basically be the closest companions to Jesus. They were going to walk with him daily. They were going to work with him. They were going to do his will. Not only that, they had to leave their old life behind and basically give that up. When we, when we think of apostles, though, I think we think a lot of people like Peter. We think a lot of people like Paul. But you know, we see in Matthew 10 that Simon was listed. Simon, who was Peter? Judas was also listed. So when you think of somebody who is put in that position as an apostle, both Peter and Judas must have had some redeeming qualities. It's pretty easy for us to think that way of Peter, but it's a little harder for us to think that Judas, the guy that betrayed Jesus, that sold him for 30 pieces of silver, had any good qualities at all. But think of the blessings that came from being an apostle. Think of of the things that both of these men learned from the mouth of Jesus. As Jesus was speaking to the multitudes, or maybe he was speaking individually to them at one point or the other. Think of the things that they learned from the master teacher. They were blessed to be in that position. They both learned many different things, I'm sure, from Jesus. Not only did they learn from the things he said, but they also learned from his example. And we see one particular example. What we call the Last Supper has just taken place. Jesus decides he's going to wash the feet of the apostles. And that's what he does. 
And this has always kind of struck me funny. He comes to Peter, and Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And Peter changes his tune and says, don't just wash my feet, wash my hands and my head also. And that's typical Peter, isn't it? He's just that guy that's all in, no matter what. If he has a thought and he thinks that's the way it should be, he's going to go after it. But you know, as he's coming around and he's washing their feet, he's not just washing their feet because their feet are dirty or their feet are tired. No, there's a reason for that. And we see that in John chapter 13 and verse 12. It says, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I've done to you? You call me master and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Jesus is teaching a lesson through his actions. Teaching them that if the Son of God can come down and serve somebody else, that they need to be doing the same thing. And this is one of the many examples I'm sure took place how they learned from the situations and how Jesus approached different situations in life, how he talked to different people. They learned from Jesus Christ, the master teacher, the son of God. They had that opportunity. And I think sometimes we don't think of it that way, especially when it comes to Judas. Not only that, I think, as we kind of mentioned earlier, I think that both men probably had some good qualities. And I think we can see that in Scripture. Again, we think of Judas and we think of one thing, and it's not good. But think about who Judas was. Think about the fact that he was an apostle. Think about the fact that he did go out and spread the word of God. You know, you think of Judas also. If you look at John chapter 13 and verse 29, you see that Judas was put in a position of trust. He was put in a position of treasurer. He had control of the money, which we know turned out pretty bad, right? But what I want us to understand here is that he, when he was in that position of trust, I think he obviously gained the trust of the other apostles and those around him. And here's why. If you look back earlier in that chapter, John chapter 13, in verse 21, we see that Jesus points out that one of them would betray him. It says, when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked on one another, doubting of whom he spoke. Usually, if something goes wrong, you have a pretty good idea of who did it, right? I have two dogs. I have a little dog. His name is Apollo Creed. I have a big dog. His name is ja Her name is Jazzy. Now, Apollo Creed loves to chew things. Sometimes I want to name him Judas. He's always doing something that he shouldn't do. He's always chewing things. So if I come home and something is chewed up, there is no question in my mind which dog was responsible. How do I know that? Not because he told me, not because I can read his mind, but because I've seen his past actions. Well, Jesus comes and he says, one of you is going to betray me, and they're wondering who it is. He obviously gained some trust. He was probably pretty good at hiding what his sin, but he probably had some pretty good qualities also. 
And I think we don't ever give him any credit at all because we look at the fact that he's known for betraying Jesus. You know, Peter, it's a little easier for us to kind of see his good qualities. And one that I think that I think is probably the one that is most apparent in Peter and, and the way he lives is that he fiercely loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. And he was fiercely dedicated to Christ. And again, he had issues. And again, we know he betrayed him. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he was ready to defend Christ. And when we see that in John chapter 18, as Judas has come to betray him, what does Peter do? He doesn't just automatically run. In verse 10, it says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant, smote his ear. They basically cut his ear off. Or cut it pretty bad. I mean, he's, it sounds like he was a bad shot, but, <laughs> but you think about that. Peter didn't just run away. I think Peter was confused. I don't think he quite understood the kingdom and what was happening at that point, but he was ready. I mean, that's a pretty serious thing to do to somebody, right? And he was willing and ready to do that. He took his sword and he smote the ear of Malchus. And you can look at the life of Peter and you can see how dedicated he was to Christ. And throughout the rest of his life, his dedication shows through. Was he perfect? No, but he was dedicated and he loved Christ. And that was one of the many good qualities that you can see in Peter. You think about both men, how they both spread the gospel. In Luke chapter 9, it says, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves, nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. And whatsoever house you enter into, there abide, and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. When I think of somebody who is going out preaching the gospel, I don't think of somebody who is pure evil. It's just not something that somebody who's pure evil does. I think when we look at Peter again, it's easy for us to see that he probably had some good qualities. It's a little harder for us to think about that, uh, think about Judas in that way. But I mean, honestly, from what we read in Scripture, I think he probably had uh, some good things, some good qualities to who he was. But just like anybody else, whoa. Both men were sinners. They both had sin problems. They both had issues that they had to deal with. And sometimes they, didn't, they, they gave in to the temptation. And again, we can see that. When we think of Judas, this is obvious to us. We know Judas was a sinner. We know how, how his life transpired. But we get a view into the heart of Judas in John chapter 12 and verse 5. You see, Jesus has come to Bethany and he's... He's at the house of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And Mary comes with this price, pricey ointment, this expensive ointment. She starts anointing Jesus. And Judas, what he says sounds pretty good, honestly. In verse 5, he says, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Sounds pretty honorable, right? But John reveals the heart of Judas in the very next verse when he says, This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. 
he had no intention of giving that money to the poor. So what we see here is that obviously Judas had a heart that was full of greed. He had a problem with greed. Not only that, he's pretty hypocritical in the fact that he's going to basically get on to Mary for what she's doing when he had no intention of doing, giving that money to the poor himself. On top of that, it also says he's a thief. So this isn't the first time he's stolen. He's a sinner. He has a sin problem. Peter is no different. You think of Peter. You think of the time when Jesus has gone up to the mountain and he's come back down and all of them, all the, all the, the disciples are on the boat. And Jesus walks out on the water and they get a little scared. They say, oh, that's a ghost out there. And Jesus says, no, it's me. And what does Peter do? Peter says, if it's you, bid me come down. Let me come meet you out there. And that's exactly what happens. Peter steps off of the boat. And he starts walking. And his faith, he has faith in, in Jesus Christ. And he's focused on him. But what happen, happens eventually is that wind is blowing pretty hard. The waves are kind of crazy. And he realizes the chaos that's going on around him. And when he realizes that, his focus goes off of Jesus. And he loses faith and he starts to sink. And I want you to see what Jesus' response to to this was in Matthew 14 and 31 it says and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him O thou of little faith wherefore didst thou doubt Peter had times in his life where he lacked faith and we know a lack of faith is sin not only that if you look at Luke chapter 22 we see another issue that Peter may have had it says and the Lord said Simon Simon behold Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, and thy faith, that thy faith fell not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Jesus tells Peter, he says, you need to be careful because Satan's after you. He's coming hard for you. And what does Peter say? I'm okay. I can handle that. Jesus says, you're going to deny me. And what does Peter say? I'll die for you. Sounds to me like he has maybe a little bit of pride in his heart, maybe. And I think there's other examples where we see a prideful heart in Peter. Not only that, if you continue to follow the life of Peter, several uh, a little bit later, after the death, burial, and resurrection, we see that Paul has to call Peter out. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11, it says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with, with him, insomuch that Barnabas was also carried away with their dissimulation. So Peter's okay with eating with the Gentiles when the Jews are not around. But when the Jews come, guess what he does? He separates himself. A little bit of respecter of persons, right? Not only that, his actions cause the other people who are with him to do the same thing. So he's causing a little bit of division when the whole point is to bring these two groups together. The point being is that Peter was not perfect. He was a sinner. Judas was not perfect. 
He was a sinner. But I think just because you're a sinner, just because you make mistakes, doesn't make you all bad. And I think their sin is what led to the betrayal and the fact that both men betrayed Jesus. We see Judas in Mark chapter 14 and verse 10. It says, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him. And when they had heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. This wasn't something that just happened. Judas premeditated this betrayal. He thought it out. He looked for a way to sell Jesus for that a little bit of money. And we see that that happens later on in this chapter, verse 43. It says, And immediately while he yet spake, cometh Judas, one of the twelve, and with a great multitude with swords and staves, the chief priests and the scribes and elders. And he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goes straightway to him and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him, and they laid hands on him and took him. Judas's greed and deny that temptation was so much that he, did, he sold the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. His sin got a hold of him. You know, Peter betrayed, him, betrayed Jesus also. And again, I'm going to look back at a, a different account of the same story that we've read. But Mark 14 and verse 27, it says, And Jesus said unto him, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. And likewise said they all. Once again, I think we see pride in his heart. Jesus says, You're all going to deny me. You're all going to leave me. Peter says, I never will. And again, Jesus says, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, I'll die for you. And we see exactly what Jesus said happens. In verse six, four, Mark 14, verse 66, we see the first betrayal. It says, and as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, and said, And thou wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went into the porch and the cock crew. So this girl sees him and she says, You were with Jesus. She, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know him. That's, that's number one. Number two, in verse 69, it says, And a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. Number two. And the third time, Verse 70, it says, And a little after they stood by and said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. So not only the third time does he deny Jesus, but he changes his character to make his lie more convincing. He denies Jesus three times. He betrays Jesus. He says, I don't even know him. Lack of faith. 
right? We see that that sin led to the betrayal in both cases. You know, I've thought a lot about this. And I've always kind of thought of Judas's betrayal. You know, we're going to read a verse here in a minute when Judas actually shows some remorse for his actions. And it says, after he, speaking of Christ, after he was condemned is when Judas realized that he did something that he never should have done. I've always thought Judas... When you look at the scripture and you look at at what happened, I always wondered if he thought, Jesus is going to get away with it. How many times did Jesus slip through the hands of those who were pursuing him? How many opportunities did, how many times did Jesus come out okay on the other side when something was going on? Up until this point, every single time. And it's always made me wonder that maybe Judas might have, and and again, I don't know Judas' heart, but I've always kind of thought that. His greed got to him. He thought, I can make a quick buck. And I'm sure Judas or Jesus will be okay. And again, I don't know that, but that's kind of what I've always thought. But there's no question where Peter's heart was when you read scripture. There's no question. And I'm not defending one or the other, and I'm I'm not trying to say one is better. They were both heinous acts that should have never taken place. But yet we look at Peter and we forgive that. But we look at Judas and we don't. Why is that? Both men show remorse. Both men were sorry for what they did. Judas, in Matthew 27, verse 3, it says, Then Judas, which betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. This is where we start to see the difference. Peter Mark 14 and 72, it says, In the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. He didn't just cry a a tear, he wept. They were both sorry for what they did. I'm sure that if both men had the opportunity to go back in time and change what they did, they would have done it. They were both sorrowful. They were both remorseful. So what is the difference? You know, I think these men, when you really look at it, I think they were more similar than we'd like to think. They were both apostles. They both spent time with Jesus Christ. They both probably had some good qualities. They both were sinners. They both betrayed Jesus. They both showed remorse. So what's the difference? I think it's a heart problem. I think it was the difference in the heart of these two men. You look at Proverbs 27 and verse 19, it says, As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. Depending on the the condition of our heart, that's going to result in our actions and the decisions that we make. And we see two totally different decisions made by these two men. I think it was a heart problem. You know, Paul in 2 Corinthians talks 
a little bit about two types of sorrow. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8, it says, For even if I made you grieve with my letter, and he's speaking what I, I, I take to be the first, first Corinthians, the book that we call First Corinthians, the first letter that he wrote to them, where he rebuked them often and pretty harshly at times. But he says, For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. Not because, into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves innocent in this matter. The Corinthians had a godly sorrow. Their heart was changed through the rebuke, through the word of God. And it says at the end that they changed, that they, they changed their direction. And he says that they're innocent in the matter. So we see a comparison here. And Paul talks about these two types of sorrow. He says one is a godly sorrow that leads to life and repentance, and the other is a worldly sorrow which leads to death and while while paul is not talking directly about peter and judas here i think we see both of these sorrows exemplified in these two men i think we see first of all a worldly sorrow in judas i think he had a, a worldly sorrow he was remorseful he was sorry for what he did but his attachment to the worldly things prevented him from seeing past what was happening in that moment. And it's sad. It's horrible. He couldn't see past what he had done to understand that what he had done put Jesus on the cross, and that's exactly what he needed. He couldn't see the hope in the fact that Jesus willingly died on the cross. He couldn't see the hope in what Jesus was doing for him at that moment. And it's sad and it's horrible. And I think too many times in the world today, people have a worldly sorrow. Where the focus is purely on the world, purely on the here and now. And they can't see past what's happening in the moment to understand that there's so much more hope through Jesus Christ. And it's tragic. And it makes it all the more important that we're out there every single day telling people about Jesus Christ and the hope that comes through him. But on the other hand, I think we see a godly sorrow in Peter. In John 21, we see a very touching story. Peter decides to go fishing with some of the other guys. This is after Jesus has been crucified, he's buried. And they go fishing. Surely still full of remorse. What else are you going to do? Go fishing, right? They fish all night, and they don't catch a thing. 
Not a single thing. Well, the morning is, the sun's coming up, it's morning time, and a man is standing on the shore. And I guess he's just far enough that they can see him and they can hear him, but they can't really tell who he is. And the man says, do you have any food? And they say, we haven't caught anything all night. And he says, cast the net on the other side of the boat and you're going to catch some fish. So that's what they do. They cast the net on the other side of the boat. They catch so many fish that they can't even pull it in. And about that time, John recognizes who that is. And he says, hey, Peter, that's Jesus. What does Peter do? He doesn't wait to pull the fish in. He doesn't wait to take the boat into shore. He dives off of the boat and swims to Jesus. It kind of takes me back to that old movie, Forrest Gump, when he sees old Lieutenant Dan on the, on the shore over there. He just dives in and lets the boat go, right? But again, that just shows who Peter was. He was, he was all in. He saw Jesus on the shore, and he was going to do whatever it took to get to him. And that's exactly what happened. And a little later, they've had breakfast, and they're talking, and we see a very touching exchange between the two. In John chapter 21 and verse 15, it says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto si to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto them, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. And he said, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. I believe Peter's heart was changed here. Because you look at Peter's life, and there's no question to his dedication to Christ. Have you ever wondered why he asked him three times? To me, it has to be the idea that Peter denied him three times. I think Jesus is revealing his heart, Peter's heart to him. And from that point forward, I think we see a different Peter. Yeah, Peter was dedicated before, but after that, I think there was no question when you look at Peter's life. Peter was able to repent. Peter was able to change who he was. Peter was able to find that forgiveness. You know why? Because he saw the hope through a risen Savior. And what makes this whole thing so sad to me is the idea that Judas could have had the same conversation. It's heartbreaking. He could have had the same conversation. It's so important that we know where our heart is. It's vital that our heart is dedicated to Jesus Christ. Because it makes all the difference. Just like we talked this morning, when things seem hopeless, when things are crashing down around us, we find hope through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We find hope through what he did for us. This afternoon, 
we have to ask ourselves, what is the condition of our heart? Are we dedicated to Jesus Christ? Are we focused on him? Is he our first priority in life? If he's not, we need to make that change. We need to fix that. It's so important for us to understand. It's so important for us to realize the hope that comes through Jesus Christ. And when we make that realization and we dedicate our lives to him, no matter what happens to us in, the, in this life, and I think both of the lessons that we've talked about this morning culminate in this idea that we can endure, that we can make it through anything because we have a God who loved us enough to send his son to die on the cross for us. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.